Today's reading is from Psalm 42. We'll be reading from the New International Version. Please follow along as the text is presented on the screens above. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. So, so my, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. All right. So for this morning's speaker, well, we've been in a sermon series called Rhythms where we've had seven different speakers. And uh, one of the cool things that I said from the very beginning was that four of the speakers were women. And that was really important. Um, The covenant's been kind of getting women preachers in pulpits, um, places of teaching, because we think that's really, really important. And so this Sunday, we close out our series and we have our last woman speaker. She's a good friend um, and a dynamic person. You're going to feel that right away. But um, she's a chaplain. She works at Swedish Hospital. Her family's in the back corner. She's an ordained covenant minister. She's been among us for a while, and we get to hear her preach today. Can we welcome Chaplain Ann Snowberger? Good morning. Thank you for inviting me here to open the word with you and to uh, explore how rhythms of lament and prayer connect us with healing and the presence of God. Please join me in prayer as we invite the Holy Spirit to light paths of our discovery this morning for healing and for hope. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Turn your face to us and fill us with your presence. Pour your eternal love into the very marrow of our bones. May deep call to deep. May we be filled with your breath. May we be filled with your song. May we embody grace and mercy to the glory of God. Amen. Oh, so there was one thing I did forget to ask. Um, It's okay to use our spouse as part of our illustrations in this sermon, right? (laughs) Ivan, don't go anywhere. (laughs) 
JD, is that okay? JD says that's cool, so so awesome. Actually, I'm not too worried because I have the keys to the car, but just <laughs> just just checking. Okay, so my favorite store is a hardware store. I like to go up and down the aisles and look at parts. I'll always find some cool thing and start imagining what I could use it for. What can I say? All those bins and the nuts and the bolts and the electrical gadgets and sockets. I could be in a hardware store all day long just dreaming of what I could use the parts for. Sometimes I like to follow Ivan around while he's putting together parts for one of his projects. So you who know Ivan know he is pretty focused. He's a swatch shopper. He knows exactly what he wants and needs. He goes in, he gets it, and he gets out. On the rare occasion when he stumped on a solution, I can tell you he does not need my help. But I like to try anyway. The thing about me is this. I know just enough about technology and putting stuff together to be dangerous. Ivan thinks in his head. He's an engineer, so he designs it, he plans it, he 3D models it, it, he puts it all together, and when it's done, it just comes out. Not me. I talk out loud. I think out loud. And sometimes I take Ivan's silence to mean that he needs my help. (laughs) He doesn't. It's just one of those things I still haven't learned after 21 years of marriage. His standard line to me is, No, Anne, put that back. (laughs) We don't need it. It has nothing to do with what we're building. That's pretty much. The hardware store lesson I've learned is this. All those parts are cool, but they rarely function in the way that they were designed to function as standalone objects. And even if you cobble them together to make something else, they really don't function up to their true potential. That's my lesson. Sometimes, even though the parts are cool, if they're not meant to go together, they don't work very well. So that wasn't too bad, was it, Ivan? Okay. So here we are, heart beating, breath taking, word-speaking, elbow-bending, knee-bracing, eye-beholding, thought-creating beings. The gospel of Christ teaches us that we are uniquely beautiful and good and valuable and precious just as we are. In the economy of God's kingdom, we are good and we are needed as a party of one, as a single glass, as a lone voice, as a solitary dancer. 
But here's the thing. Like unique parts that are designed to connect with larger purpose and function, human beings are designed to flourish in living relationship with other. God sent his son Jesus Christ that we might be reconciled to our creator. Followers of Christ are called to live as many parts but one body, his holy church. The challenge that we face is that because of sin, we are mostly a collection of broken parts. And try as we may, we get it wrong more often than we get it right. And this is where we praise God for his grace and mercy. Amen? Amen. This morning, we're going to explore lament as a natural rhythm that can bring ongoing healing. Healing that brings us closer to loving God with all our heart and our mind and our spirit. And healing that brings us closer to loving others as we love ourselves. We have three texts this morning. Genesis 6, 5-8. Psalm 42. And... We, together here, are going to create a living text, meaning you will have an opportunity to join others in speaking your heart and your soul today. The Hebrew word for prayer is a feminine noun, tifilah. It carries a wide range of meanings out of its root palal. And it means intercession or supplication, to intervene, bring favorable judgment, mediate, and it implies a hymn or a prayer. Prayer is a natural connection born out of creation in the likeness of God. Prayer is an activity that brings together God and his creation in conversations and in the Hebrew culture. It is largely seen as having the meaning of conversation between father and child. In my role as a chaplain, I have witnessed many sacred prayers. I have witnessed sacred prayers between people and the divine, people on the wall, people on the floor. Pleading, begging, asking, agonizing, crying, these come out of hearts that pray. Cursing, Screaming, blessing, hoping, silence fill the voices of people who pray. 
eyes wide open, eyes swollen shut, shaking, quaking, heaving, chest breaking, still lips, numbness, gnashing, sobbing, anxiousness. These come to bodies that pray. Fear in the dark, fear in a crowd, shame, regret, hate, mocking. These break spirits that pray. Abuse, suffering, a punched wall, no sleep, drunk sleep. I am a witness that violence often drowns out the amen of people who pray. Did you know that the one truly holy God that we serve experiences pain? Please turn your Bibles to Genesis 6, 5 through 8 or follow along as I read these verses. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds and creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. During seasons of my deepest grieving, I turn to verse 6 to read that God's heart, too, was filled with pain. It's comforting to know that I'm not alone. It's comforting to know that pain in and of itself is not a sin. God was hurt and filled with pain. God was hurt and raged with anger. God was hurt and regretted creating the world. God was hurt and announced his intentions to destroy everything, to wipe away the source of his pain. The mysterious bit is what happens between verse 7 and 8 that shifts the momentum of God's wrath into compassionate favor for Noah. And I never got that. I mean, seriously? Are we to believe the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent God just happened to notice Noah in verse 8? I was never satisfied with this passage until one day it suddenly occurred to me that what these verses record is God practicing divine lament. And here's what I mean by that. He was not alone in his pain. 
He was not shouting into the wind or shaking his fist in a vacuum. No, God was crying out into the sacred company of his triune being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he lamented. He expressed his raw feelings, his pain and his anger. And in the safe and sacred space of divine other, and whatever else happened in that, cause, in that conversation, somehow it caused God to reflect. And instead of reacting out of pain and destroying everything, he responded out of his true character, which is love. The text does not say that this is what happened. But might we imagine that the triune God interacted in holy conversation to help God process his pain? Isn't that what's helpful to us? To sit with other in safe places to process our pain? Our text does not say exactly what happened, but verse 8 does reveal the outcome. Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And what we learn from God's lament is this. Lamenting with the Lord is freedom to express our pain. It is freedom to voice our anger and shake our fist. It is a safe place to name our hurt. We are not alone. Lamenting with the Lord gives us strength and courage to face our pain, befriend our pain, accept our pain, and respond out of our true selves in Christ instead of with destruction with forgiveness and grace and love. This, my friends, is healing. Please turn to Psalm 42. This psalm is attributed to the sons of Korah. Now, Korah was a Levitical musician that David and Solomon put in charge of temple worship. Worship leaders are uniquely anointed to bring human experience into one focus, to bring glory to God. Our text reveals the agonizing lament of a worship leader who is experiencing great spiritual devastation. For whatever reason, during post-exile or during exile, for whatever the reason this text doesn't say, he cannot go to the temple. So listen to his lament of spiritual anguish. Listen to the words that he chooses. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, Where is your God? My tears have been my food. Can anyone here relate to this lament? Does anyone here feel a long way from God? Does anyone here feel spiritually parched? Does anyone feel shut off from the presence of God and ache, ache to be in his presence? Has anyone here been drinking tears of sorrow or been tormented by taunters of doubt? What's intriguing about the psalmist and why I chose this passage this morning is that while he, rem- while he laments, he remembers. He recalls joyous times of temple worship. He remembers the faithfulness and protection of God. And though he is depressed and suffering, he voices determination to put his hope in God. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, he says, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Our psalmist describes that being far from home adds to his sense of feeling overwhelmed. It's a disconnection. And deep calls to deep. He recognizes a deep connection that is not lost in his drowning beneath the waterfalls. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. In his poured out pain and while pleading with God to remember him, he recognizes that the Lord's song remains inside him and gives him hope. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? Our writer confesses physical and emotional agony and yet he finds strength to confess hope. Listen to the last two verses. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, 
Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I believe this worship leader was practicing divine lament as God taught us in Genesis. He named his pain. He didn't hold back his raw emotions. He named his spiritual need to be in God's presence, even though it didn't seem possible for God to deliver it to him. He remembered the joy of past communal worship Whether he was inspired by God himself or these were memories in front of his mind, he meditated on the experiences to seek moments of joy. He proclaimed the faithfulness of God. He confessed his doubt and he resolved to praise God. And yet to read his laments, we can only be left with the impression that God has not heard him. Kind of a bummer psalm, isn't it? Yeah. But I'm here to tell you that I see progress. Maybe it's because I work as a chaplain. Maybe it's because I specialize in things like end-of-life care for infants. And I walk along parents who are agonizing and weeping and wailing And all that I can do is stand and hold up the wall in the room where we are spending last moments together. But I see progress. Even healing is an outcome of his prayer. Deep calls to deep. He's learning that even when he doesn't sense the presence of God, God is still with him. God's song is still in him. Amen? Amen. And so now we come to our third text. And it depends on you. It will be an oral text, a living text. It is no small thing to experience pain but to turn away from destructive behaviors is healing. It is healing to respond with grace and forgiveness when we are wronged, when we are lonely. In just a few minutes, you will be invited to come down to one of our prayer ministers up here today and simply say one thing, what hurts? We want to open a rhythm of lament for you to be able to go in a safe place with God and to be able to say, this hurts, whatever that is. And when you come up, you will stand in a safe place with one of our ministers here and you will just simply say, what hurts? And the minister will anoint you with olive oil and simply say this, I bless you to flourish in the Lord.
How does that sound? What hurts? Our hope is that you experience the beginning of a new rhythm of lamenting where you can daily name what hurts, where you can open yourself to the ministry of Christ and go forward in hope. Just before we invite you down, I'm going to read a poem from this book by Desmond Tutu. It's called The Book of Forgiving. And if you don't have this in your permanent library at home, I strongly recommend it. It is an amazing book that guides us through forgiveness and sitting in pain. But this is to prepare you to listen to your heart this morning. Let us pause now and listen to what the heart hears. Meet me here. Speak my name. I am not your enemy. I am your teacher. I may even be your friend. Let us tell our truth together, you and I. My name is Anger. I say you have been wronged. My name is Shame. My story is your hidden pain. My name is fear. My story is vulnerability. My name is resentment. I say things should have been different. My name is grief. My name is depression. My name is heartache. My name is anxiety. I have many names and many lessons. I am not your enemy. I am your teacher. Meet me here. Speak my name.